Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please say with me the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Alberta Hunter said, Blues means what milk does to a baby. Blues is what the spirit is to the minister. We sing the blues because our hearts have been hurt and our souls have been disturbed. Please say with me our mission statement. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. May it be so. Let us end our time of meditation with the Buddhist loving-kindness prayer that we say after this time of meditation. We usually say it three times. The first time, we say it for ourselves, because a good foundation for a spiritual path is to feel compassion and loving-kindness for your own self. I'll say a line, and you say it after me, should you choose to. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. In the spiritual practice of loving kindness, you do that for six months before you even attempt to say it for someone you love. But now, if you will, hold in mind someone you love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. third time, you say it for someone against whom you have a resentment. It's very important not to look around the room at this point. (laughs) May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. May it be so. So we've had some 
Merry Christmas celebrations already. We had a children's pageant last Sunday that was just spectacular in my view. And after that, we had a feast all together. Tomorrow night, we have two services of lessons and carols. One is at 5.30, and the second one is at 7.30, even though your bulletin and the announcement says 7. We were just confused in the office, which happens around this time of year. Um, those of you who worked in offices understand. 7.30, they're both on the half hours. Read the word. And yet yeah, this morning we're going to talk about another piece of the reality of the holiday season. And that is the blues. This is a hard time for many among us. Everybody else is kind of glowing in gold and green, and we're feeling gray and sad and washed out. And the whole world is celebrating, and you're just terrified because you can't make the house payment, or you've had to let your insurance lapse, or you've lost someone close to you, and this is your first season without them, you're feeling the loss, maybe you're alone in the world, maybe your family is all gone, or maybe they're toxic and you can't be around them, or um, maybe they're far away and you can't be with them, and the whole world seems to be papered with snapshots of healthy, lovely, shining people having a good time and eating together and going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house to play Monopoly and end lovingly instead of throwing the board up and having... (laughs) And you look around you and you see, especially on TV, but at the mall and all up and down your neighborhood, you see people who look like they've got it all together and they've got, you know, their health and they have plenty of money and they're smiling and their children are well-behaved and they, their parents are not sick and they are just um, radiating. But you know this already. You're comparing your insides to their outsides, which is always a losing proposition. But it's hard to keep that in mind and you feel the little tendrils of shame invading your heart and your spirit at this time of year because you're the one that doesn't have it all together. And we're having a blue Christmas service this morning just to give ourselves a place to put those feelings. Even if you're not generally sad, sometimes you just have that sorry feeling like Etta James. I don't know what I'm sorry about. I don't, but I just feel a sorry feeling. And that's the shadow side of all the good times and the good cheer that's happening everywhere. It's got an equal and opposite reaction, like everything does, and sometimes you're the one that feels it, and you're not really sure what to, what to do with it, and um, you're feeling outside of the beautiful, glowing bubble, and you can't, if you're feeling grief about somebody you've lost, or if you're going through a divorce this time of year, it's horrible, and you have this empty chair syndrome at the dinner table, and everybody knows it's wrong and you can't, it just feels wrong to be without this person, but nobody wants to say anything. It's delicate and, ugh. So you you take your grief and your confusion, you try to kind of shove them into the closet for the, for the season, but it really doesn't usually work. 
And so how do we take care of ourselves and the people we love when someone is feeling the blues at Christmas time? You read the articles and they say, lower your expectations. I don't really like that because it doesn't feel lower to me to just give yourself a little break. It feels lighter. So I would say lighten your expectations. And maybe the house doesn't have to be decorated to the nines this year. And maybe you don't have to bake dozens and dozens of cookies this year from scratch. And maybe you don't have to saddle your family with debt so that they can get the Christmas they want. And maybe you don't have to cook till you're grumpy. Or maybe I'll love to cook. I don't know. But my family says, please don't cook. Mom, please. I'm not really that bad at it, but it does make me a little surly. And so everybody would just, just as well not have that happen. So that's not really higher, a higher realm in my, in my book to, to do all those things just because you're supposed to. You can lighten your expectations a little bit. And this is the return of the light. This is the season of celebrating the return of the light. And the light means truth. And the light means love. And truth and love make room for sorrow. They don't mean you have to feel just one thing all the time. You can feel a combination of things. We are complicated people. And we've got to have some kind of acknowledgement that it's not all cheer all the time. You can look for little things to enjoy um, before the house is decorated, before the presents are bought and wrapped. You can just enjoy breathing in the air, breathing out. Breathing is good, and it's kind of the minimum. And you don't have to wear red and green if you're not feeling it. You can wear yellow, you can wear brown, you can wear black and look like a French existentialist. It's okay. <laughs> Listen to the music that makes you happy and instead of Christmas carols if you want. Just have a gathering of friends and say, it's going to be a Metallica party. I'm sorry, that's it. <laughs> Look at people as if you were an anthropologist. I mean, you can, you can, you can, if you, as long as you're feeling outside, you might as well take the gift of the outside eye and look at it as an outsider and say, aren't these people of this land interesting? Look at them as they, as they teeter on tall ladders, putting lights upon their houses. Look at them as they run from big store to big store, buying little plastic things. I I so am impressed with them making mountains of food that they will then eat with people that they don't really enjoy that much. But uh, just in case you get too smugly above it all, Realize that next year you'll probably be doing that same thing and it'll feel right to you. You're just outside for a while. It's a curse and a gift. You get to practice the spiritual discipline of being happy for other people. 
You can be happy for your friends who are happy. This takes maturity. You can say with all sincerity, I'm so glad that things are going really well for you and your family this year. Um, it is less mature to say the same words uh, like this. I'm so glad that things are going well for you and your family this year. <laughs> Notice your habits of attention. What are you paying attention to? Are you, are you descending into your sorrow? Um, some people, especially teenagers, I, I think you know this, they, they will sometimes make little cuts on their skin just to see themselves bleed. And some of us do that emotionally. We'll just think about something sad. What if that were happening to my child, you think? Why are you doing that? That's emotional cutting. You don't have to do that. You can pay attention to the things that you want to fill your heart and soul. You know when you have a toothache and you just keep poking at it? Does it still hurt? Oh, yeah, it still hurts. Yeah. That's a habit. That's human nature. It's just good to pay attention to your habits. And are you doing that, poking the pain thing? Sometimes just acknowledging that this is a hard time makes it easier, not better. This makes it easier. You say, this is a really hard time. You make room for the truth of what you're dealing with. And that is a spiritually valiant thing to do, to name what's happening. And sometimes when you name what you're dealing with, then some of the clamps come off of your heart, and there can be more movement. And more practically, or I should say maybe biologically, if you're dealing with depressed feelings it's probably good to lay off the recreational drugs and the alcohol. Those tend to make depression worse. Also, oddly enough, NutraSweet can crash your serotonin levels, and that's a neurotransmitter that helps you with your feeling of well-being. So just do everything you can chemically to protect yourself from a crash. And surround yourself with people who are good for you. How hard is that? Everybody's got people in their life that are kind of like um, a black hole of need. The black hole in the universe sucks all the light in and you never see it again. And there are some people that just do not want to be okay. And some people who never be okay, it's not their fault. You know? So if you have such a friend sucks the life out of you every time you're together, possibly put off having lunch with that person until March. <laughs> Usually your instincts will kick in and they will show you what you need to be okay. I have a friend who lost her husband uh, one October, and the next Christmas, of course, was awful for her. And so she uh, she didn't, like, lose him at the mall. He died. So um, I think you knew what I was talking about. 
The first thing she did was paint the front door of their house bright yellow, which horrified her neighbors. Very upscale neighborhood where everybody had an idea of how a house should look with its curb appeal. And a bright yellow door did not fit into anyone's idea of how the neighborhood should be. And they found ways of letting her know. After she painted the door bright yellow, she went to the most depressing big box store. And under the fluorescent lights, she tromped up and down the aisles until she found her perfect tree. It was white plastic on an aluminum frame that was a little bent. The needles were kind of scrofulous looking. And uh, there were clumps of fake snow on it randomly. It was just hideous. And then she found on a sale table a a big um, box of khaki-colored balls. They were... uh, They were maybe more like olive drab. They were really kind of a greenish mud color. And she bought those, even though they were the wrong size for the tree, although what would have been a wrong color for that tree, it was hard to tell. And um, she went home and put the tree up in her living room, and it was ugly. And she went, yeah. (laughs) That's how my heart feels. And so instead of just snarling every time she walked by it, she found herself sitting with it in the living room, sitting with this terrible tree. And it made her feel peaceful. It companioned her in her awful feelings. And she's, you know, over that period of her life right now, but the tree is still a precious part of her Christmas being that helped her get through. And if you're not the sad one, but somebody next to you is sad, then here are some important things to know. Just keep in mind that this is a hard time for them. Listen with compassion if they want to talk. Don't try to fix it for them say that again, do not try to fix it. Because when you are sad and you just are sorry and you don't know why, or when you do know why, you just don't want to talk about it, or even if you want to talk about it, having somebody try to fix it is just the most annoying thing in the world. You don't have to be sad just because they are sad. You can be happy right next to them. It's not fair for them to ask you to be sad too. But it's not fair for you to ask them to be happy just because you're happy and they're sad. See what I mean? There's room for both. There's room for happy and sad. I grew up in a family where you're not allowed to be sad. My dad would come in the door from work and go, Everybody happy? What can you say? If you happen to say something like, I'm just having a bad day, he would say, do you need to go to the hospital? (laughs) And if you said, no, I don't need to go to the hospital, he goes, well, you're fine then. 
I've checked with all my relatives. The entire family is like that. There's pluses and minuses. Let's just be easy with each other this time of year, and let's just be easy with ourselves and know that there's room for being happy and sad and cheery and mad. I'm going to write a Dr. Seuss novel. Happy, sad, cheery, mad. It's all okay at Christmas. I have a friend who tells the story of um, a meeting with his mentor. His mentor was in his 90s and very hard of hearing. And my friend uh, was telling his mentor that he was going through a divorce. He said, I'm getting a divorce. And his mentor said, what? I'm getting a divorce. Say one more time. I'm getting a divorce. His mentor, all of 90 years old, went, life. So, I'm glad you're here this morning as we go through life together. And have a Merry Christmas or whatever. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.